Hello everyone and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan. And the main news in this episode is the talks breaking down between the WGA and the studios. What happened? We will go over what we know so far as well as the other news from Hollywood. But first let's go over with some box office numbers. Opening in first place is DC's latest film, Blue Beetle, with $25 million. In second place was Barbie, with $21.5 million, for a total of $567.2 million. Third place was Oppenheimer, with $10.6 million, for a total of $285.2 million. In fourth place was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, with $8.4 million, for a total now of $88.1 million. And in fifth place, from Universal, was Strays, which opened with $8.3 million. So for Blue Beetle, the opening number is actually okay, but the issue here is legs. The movie has a budget of just over $100 million, so ideally it needs to be making $250 million worldwide. And right now, that already seems like a tough task. Domestically, if it can leg it out, it will beat Shazam 2 at the box office. Uh, but at this point, The Flash already seems slightly out of reach, uh, though it would have been hilarious if it did pass The Flash. So yeah, for Warner Brothers, just uh, okay. It's not great, but it's not terrible either. As for Strays, this is clearly a movie hurt by the strikes. For this to even have a chance of taking off, you needed Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx doing a full press tour, getting the word out. It wouldn't have made it a guaranteed hit, but it probably would have at least opened above 10 million, maybe even 15. And for Paramount, it does look like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will hit $100 million domestic. Comscore is also reporting that the domestic summer box office will pass $4 billion, which is the first time it's done it since 2019, and the 13th time it has happened ever. You can thank a good part of that to Barbie and Oppenheimer. Staying in first place in China is No More Bets with $65 million for a total of $376.4 million. In second place was Papa, which debuted with $23.2 million. Third place was Creation of the Gods, One Kingdom of Storms with $16.9 million, for a total of $310.3 million. Fourth place was Death Notice, which opened at $6.9 million, and with previews is at $7.3 million. This is actually an older film that is finally coming out. It is an action thriller film that was filmed all the way back in 2018 for release in 2021, but then with the multiple pandemic waves, kept getting pushed back until now. And coming in fifth place was Meg 2 to Trench, with another $5.9 million for a total of $104.7 million. And while we knew from last week it was bound to happen, Marianne Entertainment confirmed that this summer box office season is the biggest one ever in China. Also, in something we have not seen since pre-pandemic times, Hollywood is doing a press tour in China. Christopher Nolan has arrived in the country ahead of Oppenheimer being released in theaters at the end of the month, he attended the red carpet premiere there in Beijing and has also done Q&As, attended other screenings, and signed posters for fans. It'll be interesting to see how it performs over there, but all of this can only help as it will spread on social media. I wonder when the SAG strike is over, will studios have actors be making their way back to China as well to promote upcoming films? Taking a look at international numbers, Blue Beetle earned $18 million for a worldwide opening weekend of $43 million. Meg 2 to Trench? Earned $21.9 million for a worldwide total now of $250.1 million. Gran Turismo continues its international rollout with another $6.3 million for a total of $22.7 million. 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem made 4.8 million for a worldwide total of 118.4 million. This is shaping up to be a very domestic heavy movie. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 earned 6.2 million for a worldwide total of 541 million. Oppenheimer made 32 million for a worldwide total now of 718 million. And Barbie earned 26.7 million for a worldwide total of $1.27 billion. We start off the news in Hollywood with an update on the strikes. First, let's go to the WGA, as last week they were in talks with the studios and trying to negotiate a new deal. Well, those talks have fallen apart. What happened was early on in the week, the guild met with the heads of the studios, so Bob Iger, David Zasloff, Donna Langley were there, among others, to talk. The WGA's side of the story is basically they presented what they considered their best and final offer, and then how it turned basically into a lecture from them. As a result, they left the meeting. In response to that, studios released the details on their counteroffer publicly, with the idea being if the rest of the WGA sees what is on the table, they will force their leaders to take it. Some parts of the deal include the WGA getting the same raise as the DGA, so 13% compounded over three years. Anything made using generative AI would not be considered literary material. For viewership data, the studios would send the union quarterly reports that would include total streaming hours per show. The caveat here is that they mentioned the WGA will only be able to use this to restructure the residual for streaming in the future, so kind of kicking that down the road to the next contract. So like the studios are trying to be smart here and be like, okay, you can get some streaming data with restrictions, but only four times a year, and you will have to wait to renegotiate re residuals in three years. So the overall offer is better than what was being offered back in May at the beginning of the strike, but it is not most, let alone everything WGA wanted. WGA did release a statement explaining their side of the negotiations as well as they as well as their thoughts on the offer. Here's a snippet of it. Quote, member power, the strike, forced the companies to negotiate on more issues than they were willing to as of May 1. But still, in the typical AMPTP mode of seeming to give while limiting the actual gains. Here are a few examples of areas they've made proposals that are not yet good enough. In screen, they have proposed a second step, but only a statistically tiny category of screenwriters, excluding all but the first writers of original screenplays. They dismissed the concept of weekly pay. We've had real discussions and seen movement on their part regarding AI protections, but we are not yet where we need to be. As one example, they continue to refuse to regulate the use of our work to train AI to write new content for a motion picture. Finally, the companies say that they have made a major concession by offering to allow six WGA staff to study limited streaming viewership data for the next three years so we can return in 2026 to ask once again for a viewership-based residual. In the meantime, no writer can be told by the WGA about how well their project is doing, much less receive a residual based on that data, end quote. Clearly at the rate the strikes will go into the fall, uh, the question now is will they go to the end of the year? The studios and WGA are now at another impasse, even though they got closer to a deal. And the studios have still yet to reopen talks with, the, with SAG, which they have not announced any intention to do so. One new update for the studios is that they are getting a new PR crisis team. Deadline is reporting that the AMPTP have hired the Livingston Group, so clearly the studios know they have a very bad image publicly right now. If only they could do something to fix it. I don't know. I don't know, maybe making some deals with some unions. Maybe. I don't know. Silly, silly idea. Just throwing it out there. 
As for SAG, they provided an update on the interim agreements that they have been offering, clarifying that it is okay for actors to promote the films that they are part of at film festivals if the production has been given approval under the interim agreement. With the strikes still ongoing, we have another batch of delays, this time from Warner Brothers. This one hurt me a bit, but sadly, Dune Part 2 has been delayed with it moving out of 2023 and will now come out March 15th, 2024. From the studio's point of view, the delay makes sense. While it now ha has a tougher release calendar, the film has an all-star cast and they need them everywhere on the full press tour, flying them around the world. And since the studios and SAG have not even opened up discussions, it is unlikely a new contract will be done by October. With the delay, Godzilla X-Kong, the new Empire has been delayed a few weeks and will now come out April 12th, 2024. And with Godzilla and Kong taking that release date, the studio has pushed back the animated Lord of the Rings film to December 13th of next year. Honestly, having a Lord of the Rings film not come out during the holidays would be weird, so December is a great spot for it. As for Warner Brothers, other big films this year like Aquaman 2 and Wonka, as of now, they are not moving, and neither is The Color Purple. The Wrap is exclusively reporting that Dave Bautista and Jason Momoa will join up in an action comedy film called The Wrecking Crew. It's over at MGM, and Angel Manuel Soto will direct. Now, this is not a brand new deal, technically, as the strikes are going on. Uh, this is a film that has had a bidding war back in 2021 that MGM won. At the time, the bid was for them being in an action comedy film, and since then, they have worked on getting a writer and a director. Barbie's heading to IMAX. The film will have a one-week release on IMAX screens starting September 22nd with exclusive post-credit footage. It's good that this is getting at least a few showings in IMAX. While I don't think this will generate a sharp increase at the box office, it would be weird to have one of the biggest films in the last few years not be released in IMAX at all. For Lionsgate, the deal between them and STX has closed in regards for a strategic partnership. Moving forward, Lionsgate will market and distribute all of STX's films, including its library in North America. Besides just being a distributor, they will be working together on TV shows based on movies from STX's catalog, including Bad Moms and Hustlers. The first film under this partnership will be The Marsh King's Daughter, starring Taysha Ridley and Ben Mendelsohn. The film is already completed, but needed a distributor, and with Lionsgate now doing that, the film will come out October 6th. For STX, as they were falling apart, this was a much-needed move on theirs. As for Lionsgate, hey look, it gets them access to more content, but I do wonder at some point if they will just buy out STX completely, or maybe with how much they are doing for STX, I don't know, might not be worth the cost. We start off VOD Premium with Max, where Warner Brothers Discovery is moving forward with adding CNN to it. It'll be a 24-7 livestream called CNN Max, and will include live news, and unlike some other news outlets, it will feature a combination of programming just for Max, as well as what you would see on cable. Part of the issue with news on streaming, I feel like, is it's not a one-to-one -one on what you see on TV, right? And that's part of due to the contracts with cable and satellite providers. Who knows, maybe if CNN Max starts showing too much of what is offered on CNN cable, those providers might try to push back against this change. The service is set to launch September 27th at no extra cost for Max subscribers. We have the latest Nielsen Top 10 for the week of July 24th to the 30th, and it comes as no surprise that Suits is still in first place with another 3.59 billion minutes watched. Just an absolute monster in terms of viewership. In second place was Sweet Magnolias from Netflix with 1.42 billion minutes, 
and third place was Bluey on Disney Plus with one billion minutes watched. Deadline is exclusively reporting that the Spiderwick Chronicles show is not moving forward at Disney Plus. The show, which is already completed and is being produced by Paramount Television and 20th Television, as of now it is being shopped around to see if anyone will buy it. I guess Disney's doing some serious cutting here since the show was already done and they feel it's not even worth the cost to market and release it. I think it will end up on a streamer somewhere, probably Netflix or Paramount Plus, to be honest. In an exclusive from Variety, they are reporting that Disney Plus has a Korean hit on their hands. The recently premiered Korean spy thriller show Moving has already become the most watched Korean original on Disney Plus and Hulu. Now, obviously, that is not as big of a hit as Squid Game, but it does show streamers other than Netflix can make hit international shows. Speaking of Netflix, this is where we finish up where they have bought a film called Old Dads. This is the directorial debut for Bill Burr, who also stars in the film. The comedy is set to come out October 20th. A teaser trailer for Zack Snyder's latest film, Rebel Moon, was released with it set to come out December 22nd. Again, this is Netflix's big blockbuster film for the holidays. Along with that, it was also announced that Part 2, called Rebel Moon, The Scargiver, will come out shortly after, coming out April 19th. It is rare to have two films in a series come out that close to each other. I mean, I think really the big one that stands out is Matrix 2 and 3, but I don't know. Hopefully Rebel Moon's good. Wasn't too wowed by the trailer, to be honest, but we'll see. A teaser trailer was also released for Society of the Snow, directed by J.A. Bayona. The film is based on a true story of a Ugarian Air Force flight crashing in the Andes, with the survivors of the crash focused on, well, surviving. It will premiere at the Venice Film Festival, and no word on when it will be available on Netflix. And as if for this episode of Box Office Receipts. If you want to follow me on Threads X or Facebook, links to those are in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.